And I want to talk to all women this morning, and I want to talk to you about how women have influenced history and shaped the course of many events in our world throughout the course of time and down through the ages, and how women have had an impact on our country, specifically through some that we're going to use as our examples before we launch into our time. Let me remind you of some great names of great women who have impacted our world. One being Florence Nightingale. She was a member of the Church of England, and she often prayed God that, would, that God would give her a task that would define her life. And during the Crimean War, she trained and organized nurses to care for the wounded soldiers, and she became known as the founder of modern nursing. I'm sure we're all familiar with the name Susan B. Anthony. She dedicated her life to women's suffrage after joining the women's rights movement in 1852. She campaigned for the abolition of slavery, for the right of women to own their own property, to keep their earnings as well as their right to attend higher learning institutions or colleges and universities. We've all heard the name Rosa Parks. She is known as the mother of the modern day civil rights movement. And in her book, Quiet Strength, she said about how God helped her that faithful day she refused to give up her seat on the bus. She said, and I quote, I felt the Lord would give me strength to endure whatever I had to face. God did away with all my fear. It was time for someone to stand up, or in my case, to sit down and I refuse to move, end quote. Another woman with a famous last name, Evangeline Corey Booth, her parents founded the Christian Mission, which later became known as the Salvation Army. She dedicated her life to the missional mindset and led the Salvation Army for 30 years and became the first woman to be a general in the International Salvation Army. There's another famous woman named Fanny Crosby who was totally blind, yet she wrote more than 9,000 hymns, many of which are sung in today's church. She was concerned that her name would become too prominent in hymnals, hymnals so she wrote many of her songs under pen names instead of her own. She wrote classics like Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, and one we all sing and hear even yet today in various forms and styles, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Another name, while maybe not as familiar as the others, to us at least, is a woman named Sojourner Truth. That's at least the name she went by. She was born as a slave in Swartkill, New York. And Sojourner Truth escaped slavery with her infant daughter and went on to become an abolitionist and women's rights activist. She is known and famous for her speech on racial inequalities titled, Ain't I a Woman? And she gave this speech at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention in 1851. Prior to that, in 1843, she had a life-changing experience with the Lord, and she sensed that God had called her to adopt the name Sojourner so she would travel throughout the country sharing the gospel and her testimony. Another name we know, Amy Carmichael. 
determined to fit into the culture of India. She dressed as an Indian woman. She often would dye her skin with coffee so she would look more Indian and more relatable. And she founded the mission in India where she helped to save hundreds and even thousands of children from child prostitution. Another name familiar to us all is Corey Tinboom, who happens to be buried right here in Santa Ana in the same cemetery as our beloved pastor Chuck. And when the Nazis invaded Holland, she and her family began hiding Jewish people in their home in hopes of saving them from the death camps. And when her family was found out, she was sent to a women's labor camp where she herself suffered horrific experiences at the hands of the very people she tried to protect others from. And later in her life, these experiences led to a global ministry through more than 60 countries where she preached constantly about forgiveness through Christ's love. Another woman I want to mention is Harriet Beecher Stowe. She wrote a book called Uncle Tom's Cabin, and it literally divided our nation, exposing all of the things that were going on within slavery that were abominations before the Lord. She so impacted our country that Abraham Lincoln said to her when he met her for the first time, so you're the little lady that wrote the book that started the Civil War. Now another name, more modern, uh, also known by many today, is a woman named Mary Kay Ash. And she was frustrated when she was passed over for a promotion that went to a man that she had trained. And Mary Kay Ash retired from that company and intended to write a book for women in business. And that book eventually turned into a business plan for what would later become Mary Kay Cosmetics. Her founding principle for her company was the golden rule of the Bible, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Mary taught other women to advance by helping others succeed and open multitudes of opportunities for women in business worldwide. Now, the experiences of these women, the influences and impact of these women were vast and varied, but there is one common thread that runs through all of these women and many other women that we could name today. Proverbs 31, 30 to 31 reminds us that charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Every name and every story associated with the name that we just shared have one common feature, and that is every one of these women feared the Lord. These were world-impacting women, women whose fruit of their own hands is documented and recounted the world over, even yet today. These were women who loved God, women who sought God's direction for their lives. Now, there's also a common feature among these that is going to be our focus today, and that is that they had predecessors, women of scripture who also sought after the Lord and desire to honor him. And I want to talk to you women today about three of them and to the men too, for we need to be reminded of such things. And along with those we just read of and many others, including many of you watching today, rightly bear the title of our time and topic this morning, which is Warrior Women of God. I want to talk to you about warrior women of God. And I'll have to say, 
I initially had the title Warrior Women, and then I realized that there are women who are warriors for the other team. There are women who are warriors for unworthy causes and unjust causes. But I want to talk to you about the warrior women of God today that we have as examples in Scripture. Proverbs reminds us about such women in 9:13 to 18, where a caution is given that a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Proverbs 11.22 also reminds us, as a ring of gold and a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And our world today is in desperate need of both men and women who are warriors for God. But today we're going to talk about women who go against the flow, against mainstream thinking, who stand in the gap for others, who fight for their homes and their families, full of grace and truth, like the one who saved them. So let's meet three women about, uh, from about as diverse of backgrounds as any of us could even imagine and learn from them what it means to be a warrior woman of God. So pray with me, please, as we begin our journey this morning. And Father, we are thankful for the mothers out there. We are thankful for the influence of women down throughout history. We thank you, Lord, that you yourself surrounded yourself with women whom you had healed and delivered, who served you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we thank you for all the men you surrounded yourself uh, with as well. But it's not Father's today, Day today, it's Mother's Day. So we are grateful for the role of women in serving you, in helping others, in directing society and culture in so many ways. And Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds would be lifted up by our time in your word, and that all of your women would be blessed and encouraged this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, the first woman warrior might be a bit of a surprise to you, but we need to reach way back in biblical history in order to both meet her and discover her warrior spirit. Her name is Rahab. And we're introduced to her in Joshua 2, 1 to 7, where Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. Then the, women, the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to Jordan and the, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, 
they shut the gate. Now, I've heard all kinds of interpretive gymnastics trying to soften the person of Rahab. Some have said she was an innkeeper and she was basically running a hotel or motel. Others said, well, harlot actually refers to spiritual idolatry, which is true when it applies to the nation of Israel. Now, Rahab is exactly who we think of when we think of a harlot. Rahab was a hooker. Rahab was a prostitute. Now, for those who are thinking, why would you choose this woman to start off a message on warrior women of God? And I say that because of this. I chose her because of this. I believe the Lord led me to. And that is because God is a God of transformation. He takes people of all kinds of backgrounds and puts them into his kingdom and calls him by his own name and sets him free from past sins and he makes them and calls them his own and they become, become women, women rather, who fear the Lord. Now let's keep reading a bit about her story. Continuing on in Joshua 2, 8 to 13, we're told now before they lay down, the men, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, now listen close, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, the inhabitants of Jericho, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, listen to her conclusion. He is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you swear to me by the Lord. Since I have shown you this kindness that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have. And deliver our lives from death. Is our God a deliverer from death? She understood fully who the Lord was, and Rahab had heard of the power of God, of the God of Israel. She had concluded that he is not only the God of heaven, he is the God of all the earth. She then sought a promise from the men in the name of the Lord that she and her extended family would be spared. So in essence, what she was saying is she believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She understood that God in his sovereignty had given a geographic piece of land to the children of Israel. That means she believed that the Lord has the right to do as he pleases and that we as his creation are to submit to God's will. As a harlot, she was a warrior for the other team. When she heard about the God of Israel, she changed teams and became a warrior for the true and living God. How do we know that she wasn't just trying to save her own skin? that she was not really a believer in the God of Israel? And that's a fair and valid question. So here's the answer. Hebrews 11:30 30 to 31 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled by seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. In other words, she was in a group that are called believers when she had received the spies with peace. 
Rahab believed God and it was accounted unto her as righteousness, just like was true for Abraham. And she lived in contrast to the rest of her world, which was the city of Jericho. Listen, everyone who is listed in the hall of faith is someone who went to heaven. No one in the hall of faith got there apart from the shed blood of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews eleven thirty nine to 40, in conclusion of the hall of faith, we're told about all of these, including Rahab, having obtained a good testimony through what? Faith, without faith it's impossible to please God, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect or complete apart from us. Listen, taking a woman from harlot to the hall of faith sounds exactly like something our God would do. And here's what we can learn from Rahab's faith today. Listen this morning, ladies. Warrior women, walk in the power of God in the present, not in the shadows of the past. Warrior women, walk in the power of God in the present, not in the shadows of the past. Did Rahab have a checkered past? Did she have a past that many would consider shameful? And yet here she is listed among some of the great names of Scripture as one who was a person of faith. Now, there may not be any former harlots watching today. There may be. But all women who are watching today began their journey through life apart from God. Some made mistakes. Some made big mistakes. But all can walk in the power of God in the present and not in the shadows of a dark and troubled past. And maybe your past isn't dark and troubled like Rahab's, but it was still godless. And warrior women of God walk in the power of the present, not in the shadows of the past, no matter what the past may look like for you. And listen, whether we continue in lockdown or things are going to open up, this world needs warrior women of God to emerge, to honor God, to carry out his will. And women who, like Rahab, believe that God is able to deliver anyone who trusts in his great name. Now, let's move forward in time and meet another warrior woman of God. This woman's name is Deborah. And we'll have some background here for us from the book of Judges in 4 1 to 10. And we're told about Ehud, who was dead. The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of the army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harasheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah, the home of Samuel, and Bethel, the place that Jacob had named when he had the dream and vision of Jacob's ladder, in the mountains of Ephraim, the territory assigned to that tribe. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor, take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali, 
and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Now listen, nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men under his command. And Deborah went with him. Now remember the end of the book of Judges tells us there was no king in Israel at this time. And every person did what was right in their own eyes. And matters between people were settled by judges among which was Deborah. Now we're introduced to a person called Ehud and he was a king who had killed the king of the Moabites, a man named Eglon. And after the Moabites had oppressed Israel for 18 years, the Lord caused this man to rise up and fight on behalf of Israel. Yet at Ehud's death, the people did evil again and found themselves now under new oppressors for 20 years in the form of the Canaanites and the head of the Canaanite army uh, again, being Sisera. Now, we're not told, even though we know that she was a prophetess, so she spoke by divine inspiration and the Lord communicated directly to her. We don't know how she knew, but it's clear that Deborah knew that the Lord had spoken to Barak about rising up against their oppressors. And Barak's response to Deborah was, I'm not going unless you go with me. So she said, well, then I'll go with you. We will have victory and the Lord will aid us, but the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman instead of you, which is exactly what happened at the end of the chapter. We're told in 4.15 of Judges that the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots, his 900 iron chariots, and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak, and Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. In other words, he jumped ship and ran. Sisera fled to the tent of a wife of a king who was friendly uh, to Jabin, and she brought him into the tent. She covered him with a blanket to hide him, and because he had been in battle all day, he dozed off, and when he was soundly asleep, she took a peg from the tent and drove it through his temple and pinned his head to the ground, obviously killing him. So as Deborah said, Deborah the prophetess, the Lord delivered Sisera into the hands of a woman and not into the hands of Barak. Now, there was a song that was sung after this victory by both Deborah and Barak. After this battle was over and the victory was uh, sweet in their hearts and minds, Judges 5-2, the song is introduced with this phrase, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. The concluding line of the song is, thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, in verse 31. But let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years. In between are verses regarding specific details of how the Lord had acted on behalf of his people and used Deborah and Barak in order to set them free from their oppressors. Now, our next observation about warrior women of God I want to draw from the initial exchange between Deborah and Barak. 
She said, didn't the Lord tell you something to do? Didn't he tell you how many soldiers to number and to go into battle? And he said, well, I'm not going unless you go with me. And she did go with him. And it's likely she would have gone without him. But here's where we need to pause and take note. And listen, ladies today, mothers, wives, single ladies, warrior women not only know God's will, they pursue it. Warrior women not only know God's will, they pursue it. I think we're all familiar with the basic meaning of the word pursue in the sense of chasing after someone. And one of our security guys here, uh, Officer Mike in the front row, he knows about pursuits, I'm sure. But the idea behind the Greek word used in the New Testament is to press forward or even to press on or toward. And this is what Deborah is doing. Barak is hesitant, so Deborah presses forward. I think we need to recognize also how often this concept is taught in the New Testament and therefore is applicable to you and I as members of the church of Jesus Christ, of which the gates of hell will not prevail against. I'll throw that in today. But let me remind you of Romans 14, 19, where we're told, therefore, let us pursue, let us press toward the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Press toward or pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Then 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one renders evil for, for evil, but always press toward what is good, both for yourselves and for all. And then the same Greek word translated as pursue is translated as press toward in Philippians 3.14, where Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And listen, warrior women for God, press toward these things, even when faced with situations like Deborah, even when those around you are hesitant or not fully committed, and even with her specific circumstance, Barak knew, or Barak knew, what the will of God, we've all gotten used to saying Barak, but his name is Barak, Maybe that's a fitting application. <clears throat> what the will of God was, but he wouldn't do it without her. So she made sure that God's will was done. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, to press toward love, especially, and the other spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And indeed, Deborah did prophesy of how Sisera would fall into the hands of a woman. And indeed, he was. That tells us warrior women not only know God's will, they pursue it. They press toward it. They drive after it. Now let's meet our final warrior woman of God today. And her name, again familiar, is Ruth. And Ruth is important to our trio today because she reminds us that not all warrior women are like Joan of Arc or Deborah. Some are more like Mary Kay yet they're warriors nonetheless. And Ruth is one of the two characters in one of the beautiful love stories of the Bible. And she, like Rahab, has found a place in the New Testament, a place, even though she's not a Jew, a place that is even greater than being named in the Hall of Faith. Ruth, a Moabitess, is named in the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself through his earthly father, Joseph, the one 
who had legal responsibility for Jesus as a child. We're told in Matthew 1, 5 to 6, that Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, not the same one. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. Ruth is King David's great-grandfather, or grandmother, as well as being named in the lineage of no less than Jesus Christ himself, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So let me share some thoughts or insights about this warrior woman of God. In Ruth 1, 15 to 17, we're told by her, uh, her mother speaking, her mother-in-law, Naomi, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, the Jews, shall be my people. Listen, and your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And then we're told in Ruth chapter 2, 11 to 12, as they had returned now to Israel, that Boaz, her future husband, said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then we're told later in this progression in 3, 6 through 11, toward marriage, that is, she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law, Naomi, instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain. She came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For, listen, all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. And what follows this scene is a beautiful portrait of the kinsman redeemer and the conditions necessary for one to redeem another out from under servitude according to Jewish law. But that's not our focus this morning. Our focus is what is said of Ruth. She suffered the loss of her own husband. She left all that she knew and everyone she loved to follow the God of Israel. Boaz heard of Ruth's love and commitment to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and he said she would be rewarded for her kindness, and indeed she was. He also said, you have continued as a woman of kindness and not chased after the young men of the town, and all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman implied by her actions. Now, a little more to the backstory of Ruth will bring us to our final point this Mother's Day Sunday as I speak to all the women warriors out there. Ruth 1, 1 to 5. 
We're told it came to pass in the days when judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Chiliot, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then, then Elimelech, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they, the two sons, took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Elimelech means, my God is king. Naomi means my delight. And this couple, my God is king, my delight, had two sons. And the two boys' names mean sickly and pining. Now sickly is easily understood and self-explanatory. And that was Ruth's husband. He was the sickly of the pair. Pining means to suffer mental and physical decline. So this was a pair of sickly brothers. Now this was Ruth's life. A sick husband, a dead father-in-law, a dead brother-in-law, and then her mother-in-law wants to leave the one that she had married into the family, wants to leave and go back home. It wasn't exactly a string of positive life experiences that Ruth had experienced thus far. And one more thing, and then we'll see what uh, why Ruth is a warrior and what makes you women of God one as well. Now in Ruth 1, 19 to 22, we're told the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, or my delight. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So a woman whose name meant my delight turned into someone who was bitter. That's what Mara means. And this is just what Naomi was. Ruth, in contrast, Boaz gave the testimony that the whole town knew what a kind and virtuous woman she was. Now this brings us to our final reality concerning warrior women of God. And it's just this. Listen, ladies. Warrior women live above life circumstances, not under them. Warrior women live above life circumstances, not under them. Now, this parallels our opening point, obviously. But all of you warrior women have different upbringings. You all have different life experiences in the past. And you all share the same experience with women all over the world right now. And that is things have changed. Our world has changed in a moment. Things turned around completely for women and men all over the world. And for many, they're growing more and more difficult with each day. We are hearing about 
how much depression and violence and things are starting to creep into households in this day. And there are many women who are being afflicted and many women who are being abused because of drugs being incorporated into the home and men self-medicating with booze. And listen, we're not endorsing those things and not a, those are not the circumstances that God has ordained for any woman to live under. But the fact is that things grow more and more difficult each day. There are some who are making the choice of Naomi and becoming bitter. And there are others who are choosing to live above the circumstances and living a life like Ruth. And their testimony is that they are a woman of virtue. Now, we need more Ruths. We need more Deborahs. We need more Rahabs today. We need more women warriors of God, not controlled by the past, in pursuit of God's will, no matter what anyone else is doing, and not becoming bitter, but letting their reputation be like Ruth's, which was a blessing to all who would come to know them. Now, obviously, we live in rather interesting and challenging times. And yet, throughout the course of church history, there have been interesting and challenging times for people of faith throughout the age of the church. And even before that, as we recognize that there were situations we read of in Judges where the Jews were being persecuted and they were being oppressed. And we know the devil has been trying to destroy the Jews since they became the chosen people of God who he was going to bring his Messiah into the world through. Listen, God is communicating to the world today through the church, through the men and women of the church. Satan hates the church. He's trying to destroy the church. But the gates of hell, as we said earlier, are not going to prevail against the church. And that's why we can use language like we've incorporated today and describe both the men and women of the church as warriors of God. We are in a battle against the forces of evil. Principalities and powers are seeking to destroy us. Satan is roaming the earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, he may devour. Jesus said the thief only comes to steal kill and destroy, but he came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. And our God is a God who delivers. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who empowers, and he does that in times such as these. So to all you war warrior women out there, let me say this. You are a blessing and you are in good company. You are in the company of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, Mary Magdalene, Salome, the mother of the sons of thunder, James and John. You're in the company of Philip's four daughters who prophesied. You're in the company of Priscilla. You're in the company of Lydia, the seller of purple. You're in the company of the Samaritan woman Jesus went out of his way to meet at the well, who after meeting Jesus told everybody about the man that she met who told her everything she ever did and said, come, you have to meet this man. Listen, ladies, you're in the company of Jesus' dear friends from Bethany, the sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, Martha and Mary. And I'll remind you, ladies, today, it was women who were last at the cross. It was women who were first to the tomb. And warrior women of God are nothing new. We just need more of them today. Are you ready to sign up to be a warrior woman of God? Are you ready to be one who makes a difference? 
Are you ready to be one who rises up and meets the challenges? Not just the challenges of womanhood, but the challenges of our world. The challenges of preaching the gospel to every creature. The challenges of making his name great and making it known to the world. The challenges of being known by all as a virtuous woman in every town. The church needs the women of God to continue in the same pattern they have always continued in, surrounding the ministry of Jesus, supporting the ministry of Jesus, exalting the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus might be spoken in our cities, in our homes, and in our world, that people might come to faith in the only name that can save, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you today, ladies, whether you're a mom, a wife, or a single woman, God loves you, has a plan for you, and he wants to use you just as he does all the men who are watching today. But today, we're talking about you. Today, we're talking about the specifics God has for you as a woman in this world to rise up, to be an example to other women, to be the Joan of Arcs of our day, to be the Deborahs, to be those who are like Rahab, who have a difficult and checkered and dark past, who rise from it and see the God of Israel for who he is and believe that even though everything around them falls down and falls apart, God can deliver them and they can stand through all that is happening in the world. You see, this is what the Christian life is all about. This is what we're supposed to be. All of us are supposed to be. But ladies, I want to encourage you again about the company you are in as a woman of God. Stand up today. Many of you are locked down. Many of you are in situations you never dreamed you would be in. Some of you have become school teachers all of a sudden. Some of you have found yourself without a job and a way to support your family. And listen, the devil wants to exploit this moment. The devil wants you to not go any further or be willing to continue in the battle, but that is not the will of God for you. Stand up amongst the great names of scripture. Stand up and be a warrior woman of God, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you either. And listen, of course we need to all come alongside one another. Of course we need to all be in support of one another. But listen, in order to keep from becoming bitter, that is an individual decision regardless of the circumstances. Now remember, Ruth went through all but one of the same things that her mother Naomi went through. She went through the loss of a husband as well. She didn't go through the loss of two sons, but she went through the loss of a husband as well. She was going to do exactly what Naomi had done. She was going to leave her homeland, and yet the two women had very radically contrasting responses to the same type of, type of circumstance. One became bitter, and the other was a blessing to others. And that's a choice we all need to make today. Ladies, that's a choice you need to make today as well. Be a warrior woman of God. Stand up for the truth today. Teach your children the things of God in your household. And it's kind of interesting. I was reading one of the commentaries concerning uh, Paul's last words. I think actually Don Stewart mentioned it uh, now that I think about it. The very last words of Paul in the last chapter of the last epistle he wrote, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, he reminded Timothy of the influence that his mother and grandmother had had over him in teaching him the scripture. Be that kind of woman. 
Be a warrior woman of God who stands up for God's word. Take advantage of the moment that you have right now if you have children in your household to speak the truth to them, to train them up in the way that they should go and to have that influence that only a mother can have over her children and tell them of the things of God. Listen, things are going to change back. Some people are talking about a new normal. But let me remind you all today, we're going to have a serious upgrade, I believe, very soon. And all this stuff is going to be put behind us. So let's finish strong and finish well. Listen, the Bible told us things are going to be tough in the end. The times were described as perilous, and we're in the midst of them. Things have changed radically, and we are moving toward the end of the church age more quickly than I think any of us could have imagined. So that means our opportunities are growing more and more limited with each tick of the clock. Tell people about Jesus. Choose to be a warrior and not to be bitter. It's possible because our God is in the business of transforming lives. No matter their past, no matter their present problems, he empowers us all to live for him. So again, it is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there and to all of you ladies out there. Stand up, speak up, be heard, tell people about Jesus, and God will empower and honor you for all you do. And as was said of Deborah, there would be fruit, as was said in the life of Ruth, there would be fruit from their efforts and doings, and there will be fruit from yours as well. So God bless you all. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful this day for the women in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for mothers who have taught the word to their children, made sure they were up and dress for church. And thank you, Lord, for the single moms out there. Thank you for the uh, wives out there. Uh, thank you for the uh, mothers out there, God. And we are just grateful that uh, we see so many wonderful examples in your word of women who were warriors for you. And I pray over the women who are watching online today. And I pray those uh, over those who are uh, the couple of them that are in the room today that you would uh, stir them up to love and good works. And thank you for the multitude of faithful women we have had here at CCT and their influence over so many and their servants' hearts as how they have blessed this church and others so greatly. And we are thankful for them. We celebrate them today. And Lord, we pray that you would increase the number of those who will say to the one who may not be fully committed or be half-hearted, well, you may not want to go, but I'm going. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to stand up for the Lord. I'm going to pursue his word and thus his will. And I thank you for the women today. I pray their days are blessed. Uh, Lord, even though it's a bit weird right now in our country and around the world, I pray that uh, all the moms are loved on and the women are encouraged today. Because, Lord, you, the king of the universe, loved them and have proven it through your cross and your presence in their lives. So for that, we're grateful, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.